1: let odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs advertise with odyssey visit ads.odyssey.com
0: Longtime nfl quarterback uh national uh nfl analyst and now host on 790 in houston the incomparable sean salisbury joins us on the north homestead chrysler jeep dodge ram hotline sean should dustin fox get a cowboy hat while he's out in montana
2: uh, yeah, he could get a good one. I mean, don't get mad at him just because, you know, your Charlotte visit is like poor man's cowboy stuff. <laughs> now he's going out to real stuff. Montana. I mean, don't, don't get mad at him. No, hell yeah. Now, see, Jonathan Peterlin, and I was able to send Jonathan a message. I couldn't be more proud of him. Happy for him when I read, so that's great. And Jonathan was here. So it goes kind of like this Texas. then you said Montana, right, Dust? That's where you're headed. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm in Bozeman right now. Right, right. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, so you're in Bozeman. Uh, that that's a college town. I've always thought that I think it'd be great to live in, especially when we saw College Game Day. And then I hate to tell you, my man, you're probably third in the cowboy bit. Dustin comes in second, but yes, you got to come back with a cowboy hat and act like Kevin Costner. That's what you got to do. It's all about Yellowstone, brother.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm going to go looking tonight. But apparently, the, the locals here um, don't. Like really, look too kindly upon people that are outsiders wearing cowboy hats. So like, apparently, I could get my ass kicked tonight. So I don't know no, if I you, want to deal with that.
2: Just tell them this: tell them you were an extra on uh, one of the on, on one of the uh, Yellowstone's. Okay. And, te- and tell and them you got a here's what you tell me: tell them you got a uh, uh, a, a hunting lease in uh, <laughs> in Texas, dude. And not only that, they'll give it to you for free. Because you'll be right in, brother. Mention. I'm unbelief. just gonna tell him. I'm.
1: I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna tell him. I'm calling the Bobcats game Friday night. and They should leave me alone.
2: <laughs> there. That's exactly which is the most important. And even throw in, you know, I'm thinking about a spring turkey hunt, and you'll be good to go, brother. Oh you're, yeah, you're good. Love All that. good. There you go. There you go. Good. Sean.
0: For you. Sean, getting to uh, some Browns talk here. I did want to ask you what were your thoughts on Deshaun's debut last week in Houston.
2: I was actually surprised. Maybe I give him too much credit because I've seen him when he's on the field on a regular basis, and you know wasn't. Uh, wasn't out and playing his best football, the last memory we had on the field was when he led the league in passing, is I've seen him do – and you saw him step through one early. I've seen him do so many spectacular things on the field that I thought it would – You know, we talked sluggish a little early, and by the middle of the second quarter start to catch fire, and that I didn't believe it would look like through the course of a game – that it'd be 700 days off. And in truth, a lot of it looked like about 730 days off. And that's okay, but, you know, throwing balls in the ground, it didn't look like the explosive release where the ball's jumping out of his hands, even when he's going to his left. And a lot of the balls came up short, which is, you know, they used to leg driving mechanics with an explosive lower half, and he just didn't look the same. Made a few plays, and they ran it okay, but, I, you know, they, the Texans played their best defense they have all year. They tackled better. They didn't let a runner... Um, you know, rush for 300 yards against them. And they didn't give up many big plays. The problem is on offense, they couldn't get out of their own way, meaning the Texans. So I was a little surprised that he looked that way for four quarters. But, guys, think about it. We're talking about 700 days, even even if he's a great mm-hmm. athlete. I, I say this to somebody. Imagine, you know, let's say you switch jobs and went through sales training, and you haven't done anything for two years at that company, and then all of a sudden you go the first day and you don't sell anything. Uh, are we supposed to boo and be mad and everything? But playing quarterback is a pretty tough job in the NFL. Guys who play it every day have games like that. So I, I, I didn't expect it because I hold him in high regard on the field. I think he's a phenomenal player. But he was more sluggish and more uh, rusty than I, than I thought he'd be.
1: You know, I, I try to tell the guys on the show, Sean, that when you come back in the middle of the season, it's not like this is training camp practices. These These practices are – you know, eighty percent speed. You know, guys. You know, half the time it's mostly walk through stuff like that. So to prepare for him to go out there with a, a live pass rush to be tackled, I, I think he was just a little shell shocked at times. And there's nothing he could have done. No, no working with this quarterback coach. No working with the team in, in the practice. I mean, it's December. We're talking to you, Sean. You you played this position and you know this better than anybody. I mean, you're not. There's no install. I mean, this is game plan and you go to the game. So I, I wasn't surprised at, at how he played. I Frankly, I kind of felt bad for the guy a little bit because he was put into a situation where he probably was not properly prepared for the situation.
2: Oh, no question about it. Dusty, you make a great point. And, you know, having been through it and all this, we can go out and throw in shorts. It's like like, for instance, you'll go train, your whole in shorts and a T shirt. I'm talking about like if you're a track person or when we train for the test, we come back, you gotta run, you know, 10-100s 100, 100 under a certain time like we did in college to make sure you were off in your off season you were in shape. I don't know if teams still do that, but you had to take a fitness test to make sure you passed. And no matter how much you prepared for that, you did well with that. The second you put gear on, you're tired after eight snaps and you're like, Why? It's different. When you go from doing it in shorts and a T-shirt, then against teammates and in practice, and then heighten that now in a game where you're elevating against 11-on-11. Now we're not scripting it. We don't have a going half speed in most drills, and you're you're putting game plans in during the season. You don't get to – you can't simulate it. We're not simulating any of that during the season. We're at the stage now where you're trying to back off and get fresh legs and prevent from going two hours of full speed so nobody's on the ground. So you cannot simulate that. We try as best as coaches – and private trainers to put him in every situation we can, but you just can't. And it's not mm-hmm. realistic. You put him as best you can. So there's going to be growing pains. But I don't expect that you're going to see this same performance the rest of the season. I, I wouldn't expect that. I would expect you'll see, Agreed. Uh, uh, you, you, you know, Bill, he'll make strides. But you also may run into a game where he makes a quantum leap and, and looks like that guy who's got MVP skill set. So, yeah, it, it, and the problem is we expect so much from him. We didn't even give the guy a learning curve to go out there and play, and a lot of that was self-inflicted by him, and I get it. But that may be the worst game he plays when it comes to just the optics of it from a fan base.
0: Sean, if if you're Kevin Stefanski and crew, how do you game plan around rust? Do you do you just just put it all on Nick Chubb and see where it falls, or do you, you keep trying to push the issue and, and see if you can get uh, Deshaun and that rust off by, by throwing the ball more?
2: Oh, I, I do everything possible to keep getting him going. Now you, you play the game. If all of a sudden you're in a game and it takes 22 throws, because Nick's got it going 32 times and rushing for a buck 90, you shorten the game and get out. No problem. But I, I would actually expect them to start putting more get him going, but you don't, want, you don't want to take steps back and say, "You know, this is a rookie. This is not a rookie. Now, the, the, the football stuff should come quicker to a guy who, oh, okay, I remember this coverage when, you know, now I'm seeing it, how they move and the rest of it. So while you continue to work into it, and last week had a lot of other sidebars with it, the emotion of coming here and probably was, he probably gripping the ball a little tighter, even though he won't admit it, and understanding when he walked into that stadium, the emotion's running wild. Yeah, I, I get it. So I would expect that Kevin Stefanski in this offense, I, I don't think they're going into the game plan and saying, well, Deshaun, now, He's back for a week. Let's still work slowly. Hell no, you haven't got time to work slowly. You've got to go on trying to get on a run. Look how hot Cincinnati is. You're trying to make a five-game run and see where you can get. I would imagine they'll game plan it to where how it works, but I will not be shocked if at some point during the next two or three weeks, if somebody shuts the run game down, you've got to throw it 35, 40 times, and Deshaun would welcome it. I think he needs more of it as opposed to less because confidence is going to mean everything. And, you know, he hits four or five in a row, and it's like, ah, uh, I've been. Then you could start talking about riding the bike. Not after 700 days. You start to get into rhythm. If I was his offensive coordinator, his coach, I'm not backing off one damn bit. Matter of fact, I'm ramping up his his involvement in our offense.
1: Sean, I guess I'd ask you this. You know, how how much like should we look at the final five games of this season and 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 look at how Deshaun plays? And then have expectations for next year. Like, how, how much of this? How fair is it to judge Deshaun No, you know, 700 days not playing football comes out here six games, and then all of a sudden next year we're going to have huge expectations.
2: I, I think first of all, if he comes out and lights it up, then you're the expectations are go going to go through the roof, and it make you know the momentum of you know starting to feel it again get out there. But there's an off season. You got to go back and you start you start over from scratch because you're going to take. A whole. Not only have seven hundred days. He's going to play six weeks of football, and if they don't make the playoffs, he's going to get six more months of no, or seven more months of no games where you can't simulate it again. But so, so for me, I, I guess these last handful of five or six games left. For, I would, I think that you, you're going to want to, you know, when you watch him get into a rhythm and build this, you're, you're going to love it. You're going to have expectations. There is no doubt. Listen, Dustin, you guys know that the expectations of Deshaun Watson are nothing less than getting this team to the playoffs every year, winning a title. I'm assuming that's what they have expectations. You wouldn't have spent all that money and all those assets and that you're getting an MVP guy every year. So no matter what he does, now some people may say what the hell's wrong if he struggles for another month, but regardless going into next year, they're going to say, okay, he's back to training camp. He had an off season of OTAs. Now it's going to be the Deshaun Watson. We know he didn't forget how to play football. Uh, I also and looking at these next few weeks, it's a, it's a chance for Deshaun and him to continue to build the relationship if Stefanski's coming back and the offense and the rest of it, and for him to feel good about what's going on. But regardless, it does not matter. Deshaun Watson and fans, once off offseason hits, they'll, they're, they're going to temper it because there's no games. But rega- if he goes out and throws for 400 yards a game or if he goes out and throws for 200, they'll be frustrated if he doesn't play well. But there will also be an excitement no matter what happens these last handful of games. Aside from the fan who sits up there and wants to be mad at something or a media member or any of us, Mm -hmm. when he comes back next year, the expectations will be playoffs and an MVP caliber player. This is a perfect place to build. But they shouldn't be thinking about 2023. I want to see how they play now and see if they can make a difference the last six weeks.
0: I think with that, it kind of led me right to my my next question here. This is why you're the best. This is why we have you every single Wednesday (laughs) at, uh, at 3, Sean. Uh, When you see the Browns' defense, uh, over what we've seen the last six or seven weeks, do you see a playoff-caliber defense?
2: Working towards it, uh, who was I on with the other day that we were discussing this team and the defense, or that I was watching on TV? I can't even remember, but it was somebody that we'd all know talking about this defense. We expected this defense and its roster all the way around to be a a Super Bowl-caliber roster. We, we 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 do, and so I don't think and the defense going in should have been a strength. But now we're seeing them. It seems tackle a little bit better, and they're 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 not out of position. They're forcing turnovers it, with you know with with the Texans. They're not very good, but still you're playing against eleven grown men who are under you know on scholarship and getting paid. But the way they force defense, their activity, they took advantage of a bad team and went after them defensively. You know you could let a bad team like that hang around, and they didn't. Their defense took the will out of it and really was a game-changer. So I think that with the pass rush, getting people in the right position, Johnny on the spot, and getting your people healthy, yeah, I don't know if they're a Super Bowl-caliber defense today. I don't think they've made that quantum leap, but I start to see them be more like the team we expected because I saw with my USC Trojans, I don't care how good the offense gets. If your defense doesn't tackle and they give up points and don't force turnovers – You're going to get beat somewhere along the line against a team who does it, like the 49ers. So I think we're starting to see a little bit of growth here on defense. This looks more like the team that we expected, not the team that seven, eight weeks in we're talking about, along with the Texans, one of the worst tackling defenses in the league. It's improving. Still got steps to make, though. Turnovers are a big part of it, and not giving up points, that helps.
0: Sean, uh, we were just talking about LeBron and his impact in Cleveland because the Lakers were in town uh, yesterday's and it, it it made me think here. Uh, you know, I can point to like Giannis in Milwaukee. That's it's a guy who's now the pinnacle of Milwaukee sports. Although some people might throw in a Packer there. It, it, when we get into Houston's equivalent, who is who is the the gold standard of a Houston athlete that everybody points to and says, if you want to be the best player in Houston history, you have to top that.
2: You know, we're fortunate we've had the Warren Moon. So we've had a lot of great. Clyde so we've had a lot of them, Earl Campbell. I mean, you go up and they play, love Andre Johnson, but if you're talking about Houston, the name that comes up, the Mo- Nolan Ryan, the current, some current Astros, Jose Altuve, that group, you know whose name comes up the most? Bagwell and Biggio, it is, and it's not close. Not close is Hakeem Olajuwon. Elijah Wan wow. is the most beloved. Now, charge charging, Nolan Ryan. people love think about the 34s, the number 34. Nolan Ryan, Earl Campbell, Hakeem Elijah Wan. I'm not sure there's a city that's got three numbers the same from three different sports of three monster talents at the top of their profession. Elijah Wan and the impact he had here. He is as beloved an athlete, and, quite frankly top 15 basketball player of all time because of what he's done that you know the dream shake you go and ask he's going to win 80 percent of the poll if you ask who is the who's that guy that guy in this town usually his name comes up first is Hakeem Olajuwon
0: so what would somebody have to do in that town to get on the level or surpass Hakeem in terms of popularity
2: um, like I said if you had a party and you said okay who's who who's sitting at the head table Earl Nolan Ryan Elijah Wan uh three or four Astros Biggio and Bagwell Altuve um uh you you might even put Yord on there now the way it's going the, the the way they're that big fella's swinging it um I would probably say to get on Elijah Wan's level would uh, four or five more seasons because they love him here as Jose Altuve. He's probably next. They love him as a human being. He's undersized, which is obviously the the complete opposite of Elijah Juan. He always is smiling, loves to play. Um, this, this fan, I don't know one person in this city that doesn't think that uh, Jose Altuve hung the moon. Another four or five seasons of 200, you know, 180, 200 hits where he's making all-star teams. They win another ring, and he is... Steps away from three thousand hits and an all and a Hall of Fame appearance, Jose Altuve's next in line. If he finishes the next five or six years like he has played, he will have a seat not just near Elijah one. They'll be in the same rarefied air.
0: Sean, great stuff, buddy. We appreciate you and uh, can't wait to talk to you next week.
2: Appreciate you guys, Dust. Have a great time and thank you guys for always having me.
1: Oh, anytime, yeah, thank buddy. You, Sean, appreciate you, buddy.
0: My favorite thing about Sean is Dustin that. You don't have to agree with his opinions, but he always has them, and he always uh, there's always something that within his thought I agree with. And that last part, that last idea of let's not start focusing on 2023. That's a hundred percent where I am with the Cleveland Browns, no matter how uh, unlikely the path is going forward to, for contention or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen. At this point, it's got to be about this season and what the Cleveland Browns can do. And and honestly, we talked about this the last couple of days, Nick. It's about wins. Obviously, you want to see Deshaun play well, and and a lot better than he did this past weekend against the Houston Texans. But at the end of the day, it's about stacking up some wins here for this organization and trying to build some sort of momentum that that goes into next year. I mean, you're 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 a, a five and seven football team right now. A team that a lot of people thought were going to be in the mix for the playoffs. And right now, I, I don't care if you finish around 500. Like, you still need to get wins. You, you're, you're still, if you're Kevin Stefanski, you're still trying to build a culture. And that culture is now changing because, <coughs> excuse me, because Deshaun Watson has now entered the building. And so you need to win with this guy at quarterback. So the guys do feel good about next year prior to us even having those conversations about 2023. Yeah, I think
0: this, uh, you know, you mentioned such a great point there the culture building. I think if we start talking about we gotta identify who's gonna be with us next year, who's gonna be a huge part of what we do and maybe somebody who might be on the outside looking in or might be more of a roster fodder next year. The next five games really truly matter and I think the best way to identify in and really continue development Mm -hmm. is by winning. I just I think we saw it. Like losing really really hurts your ability to develop guys and there are 30 guys on this roster that Andrew Barry drafted their careers are kind of on the line here so winning i think can help some of those guys maybe again get where they need to be going into next year
1: oh there's no, there's no doubt i mean there's a lot of players that are, are are trying to prove themselves as you say for next year and then you know you're trying to figure out what players are going to fit with Deshaun with this offense were the needs going into this offseason because next year I mean let's face it no matter what you think about this team this year next year with Deshaun Watson your 230 million dollar quarterback if they don't make the playoffs if they don't have a roster that's competing for this division then that's that's a travesty
0: I also think like you know beyond just the, the locker room currently I think what the Browns do at the end of the season with Deshaun is really going to matter to them trying to get guys here, right? Mm-hmm. I I think Cleveland's still trying to shake off. It's, oh, they pay you, so it doesn't matter if you want to go there. Just go get paid and, and figure out your career afterwards. I, I think winning with Deshaun and proving to people this is more than just a paycheck organization I think that would help. I think that, and, and by the way, I think it would make it more attractive to maybe some of the older vets who've got a year left, like a Jerry Hughes or a, a Mario Addison. I'm just naming uh, Houston Texans now, but I do think that I, I think that would obviously help and and bridge a gap with maybe some of the free agents you do have going off this year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: So I don't know two one six five seven eight double oh nine two. We just heard from uh, Sean Salisbury about the importance of. Continuing to win in 2022, is is that where you think the Browns' focus should be? And it's so funny to say this because uh, uh, before you came on the air, actually when we first came on the air, I was talking about uh, a graphic on ESPN that has the Browns on the in the hunt column. And, oh really? Well, yeah, but it, but they have uh, the Steelers who are five and seven in the hunt. They have, I think, they might have even had the Colts who are like I think four seven and one or something like that. So like, it's interesting. You are mathematically there is a chance, and until the Browns are eliminated, I, even then, like there's no advantage to I don't want to say tanking, but to taking the 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 kind of goalposts off. Of of competitiveness, because you have such a young roster, I do like. I buy into the idea that if you can string together, even if it's just eight and nine, which again, when you start, uh, you know, four and seven, if you finish eight and nine, that means you go four and two over the final six games of the year. That'd be huge, I think, in that locker room, and I think it'd be huge.
1: That's a a stretch. No, no. Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. uh, I think it'd be huge for Stefanski as well. It would be huge because all of a sudden. You know, we're talking about a guy that when they were in the midst of a, what, they lost six of seven games, and, yeah, we're waiting on Deshaun Watson to come back, but there were conversations, even on this show, where, hey, listen, could this guy be on the hot seat this year? If he doesn't finish the season strong, could he all of a sudden maybe be out of a, out of a job? Um, and, and now I I think, I don't think he will be. I don't think he'll be on the hot seat. Uh, no matter really what what happens here at the end of the unless they lose the next five games, then then obviously things would change. But I don't think that's going to happen, and I think that they're going to be in a position next year where it's going to be it's going to feel like an all all in type of situation with with the Cleveland Browns.
0: So this led to something Keith and I talked about in in the pre show, Dusty, that I think is yeah. a really because this is this has been a really important game in for how we've <coughs> talked about the Browns' chances. So sure, if the Browns beat the Bengals this weekend.
1: Is that when you're buying their chances? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think so, because at that point in time, you'll be 6-7. and seven. You will have won a big game on the road. I assume Deshaun plays a little bit better uh, to be able to compete with Burrow. And then, of course, we don't know what's going to happen with Lamar, but it sounds like he's going to be out at least maybe two, three weeks with that PCL strain. So then that Ravens game kind of becomes like a, a must-win situation, a winnable game where uh where where Cleveland could get themselves back to 500 at 7 and 7 and who we talked to yesterday I think it was Ross Tucker who said hey listen one of these 5 and 5 and 7 teams whether it be Cleveland whether it be Las Vegas whether it be Pittsburgh someone's going to like I'm, he, he didn't say they're going to make the playoffs but someone's going to kind of sneak their way into the conversation and it could be Cleveland
0: well and it's important it's really important to remember the Jets are 7 and 5 right now they've got the final wild card spot in the AFC, and I, I, I think that spots up for grabs. I, no offense to Mike White or Zach Wilson. I don't think they've got a quarterback that can lead them down the stretch the way they want to be. They almost remind me of the 2014 Browns, of a team that you see the makings of a really good team. I think they're well coached, but in the end, you just didn't have the quarterback, and that's why the, that Browns team yeah. fell apart. I kind of feel that way about the Jets. Now, I don't know that anybody else in the AFC is catchable even though they're only one game up where the Jets are. But in terms of the recipe for there's a team in the playoff hunt that is weak, but where I'm torn at with what you were just talking about, Dusty, is I did say, get me through the Bengals game, right? When we were coming off the, the Buccaneers game, I said, get me through the Bengals game, and then I'll have that conversation. My only rebuttal now that we are on the precipice of the Bengals game is, well, you'd still be six and seven. You know what I mean? Like my, my only rebuttal about the importance of this game and whether if they win, I'm going to think about their playoff chances is it it feels necessarily like a, like a false premise, but it does feel a little foolish to talk about anything regarding making a playoff push until they get back to 500.
1: I think you're 100% right. I mean, I, I think we'll probably be a little premature with our conversations if they win this Bengals game. But if they win the next two, and and by the way, next two divisional rivals, right? Uh, and they're seven and seven. Uh, damn right, we're going to talk about the playoffs. Two one right.
0: Two one six five seven eight double oh nine two. If the Browns beat the Bengals this weekend, are you buying their chances? And it's going to lead me to something that I think has surprised us more often than not when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. I got to say, I agree with the idea that I think Deshaun needs more throws. I think the only way that Deshaun is going to knock off the rust that we saw against Houston, that level of rust is more throws than less throws. So even though less throws might help you beat the Bengals, um inevitably that might be the better thing uh for Deshaun if he gets more throws in this game. And I would say throw them to victory, but but that that the passing game is a huge part of this win.
1: Yeah, I mean the passing game's going to have to be. Um how many by the way how many throws do you think you could see Deshaun throwing this game oh i 22 this past game
0: i mean i i think if that game was more competitive i think you would have seen Deshaun on sunday against the texans i think you would have seen it above 30 so i would be shocked if he if he throws less than 30 in this game and i i wouldn't be surprised to see 40 throws depending on the game plan and how much success
1: they have 30 yeah that that's that'd be on the high side i think um, but again, I, I, and I said this, I think on, um, Monday or Tuesday that I, I could see the Bengals getting out to a lead here, mm-hmm. which would concern me because, you know, Stefanski, whenever he gets uh, a deficit, he plays like super, like he, he feels like he's down 35 points. Oh, he goes gung ho. He's like gung ho. Two one six five seven eight double
0: zero nine two. he puts the cowboy hat on. He does. With the mustache. Uh, if the Browns beat the Bengals, are you buying their chances? One of the things I wanted to add to that conversation, Dusty, is so many times this year we've gone into games thinking, all right, this is this this is kind of who you are, and this is what we think is gonna happen. And the Browns almost every time have flipped it on its ear. And not not necessarily for good, right? Like the Falcons game. Falcons game, they kind of Messed around a bit and never ran the ball nearly enough the way they could have controlled that that Falcons team. Right? Uh, I felt like uh, the Patriots game they just got behind and it was what it was. But like uh, you, you can go through multiple. T- oh well, this is a defense. The defense has got to win the game. Then the defense, Dookie's the bed. Like how you matters win, or how you matters how you win. Matters. Spit it out. How you win matters. So you. how you beat the Bengals absolutely matters into whether I think you have a chance to make the playoffs or not, or whether this is going to be the moment I start believing them. Look, if
1: Deshaun Watson plays, um, a, a, an above average game, he throws for 225 yards, uh, a touchdown or two and no picks. And the Browns win this game 24, 17. We're going to go nuts. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh my God! Like this guy. I mean, he's back. So, and by and by the way, it won't take much. You know because why he played so poorly against Houston?
0: Yeah, you know why that's so important. What you said there is that it's, it's two parts. It's Deshaun plays a lot better than he did against Houston, and the defense continues to 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 hold serve. Like if yeah. you can put Joe Burrow right now is balling. Uh, if you can, if you can hold, and by the way, it's not just Jamar Chase right now. T. Higgins has really exploded over the last like five weeks. If if you can hold that offense to 17 points, and Deshaun has maybe not a vintage Deshaun game, but a game where he he puts at least maybe one, two touchdowns in the end zone, and he's constantly putting together drives that aren't just built on the back of Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be – it'll be really tough for a lot of people in town to hold back the 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 bandwagon, the the hype train in the Cleveland Browns.
1: No question. No question. I'm with you.
0: 216-578-0092. Uh, if the Browns beat the Bengals, are you buying their chances? How it looks matters. I'll give you that. I also want to get your take on what we talked about, uh, the return of LeBron James to Cleveland yesterday – because you had told me that you had the uh, the fan experience from hell.
1: Uh, I did. You know, la- last night it was the second game of the season that I had gone to. And, by the way, went to 1942, the Tacos Tequila Bar, after the show for uh, a quick dinner before the game. Excellent. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Ten out uh, of ten.
0: It, would recommend.
1: Yeah, it was good. It was really good. And so after that we went to the game. Got to the game probably like I'd say like, eh, mid first quarter, something like that. And we sit down in our seats. <clears throat> first off, some guy is in our seat, one of our seats, and and the, these are our season tickets, right? Mm-hmm. We've got four. And this one guy sitting there with his buddy, and they're in our seats, and like we come to, to get our seats, and he and he turns around, he's like, "Well, my seat's there," I'm like well why would you tell me that they go sit there that's your seat like you want me to go sit in your this is not like southwest airlines here bro like go 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 sit in your seat this is a packed house so anyway that wasn't that big a deal we end up sitting down and there was this guy who was sitting behind us who was absolutely Mm overserved, like completely bleep-faced and at first, it was kind of funny because he had, like, some, some funny commentary about, like, every time something happened on the court, he just had something kind of funny to say. And then, dude, by, like, the third quarter. He crossed I, over. I, I, I was just ready to, like, leave the game. It was, like, so a- annoying and obnoxious that I was like, I just kind of want to watch the game. I don't need this drunk. almost just cursed on the air. <laughs> Got a little too comfortable, Nikki. It's okay. No, you're just fired up. You're
0: still a little irritated. Yeah, I was irritated.
1: This guy was a nut. And like, dude, you you ruined my experience.
0: Yeah, I. It's so funny because I am a notorious drunken public person. All right, I like I just okay. I just have a, a history of showing my butt in public and just being an absolute moron uh, when it comes to alcohol. But I just have never done it at games. Right? Like if you if I were to go uh people at Spunk Meyer's and Wadsworth know exactly what I'm talking about. If anybody was there one fateful day, uh almost a year ago now. Um if I go to a bar with buddies and you know, there's food and drink, uh, yep, the idiot's gonna come out and Nick Wilson. But like games, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just I'm just a cheap bastard and the price of that like sh- shocks my system that I can't uh drink yeah. like that, but like I don't know. I just I wouldn't enjoy being out of control at or or even bordering out of control. I don't think I would be. I would. I I've never been drunk, and this is saying something because I've been drunk a lot of places. Okay. I don't think I've ever been drunk at a sporting event. Like, or what I mean? Okay, no, that's not true. College, but in terms of a pro sporting event, Browns game, Cavs game, uh, Guardians game, I've never either gotten drunk and gone to a game like that. Or I've never been drunk at a game. Yeah. And some of that is, it takes a lot for your boy to to get good and in, 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 uh, in, in liquored up. And some of that is just, I, I don't want to be tired. I don't want to be, I don't want to feel you know, that sluggish feeling when after you've had 10 or 12 or 15 or 16 drinks. You know that feeling where you're just like, I just want to take a nap. I don't like that feeling in public.
1: I don't like to ever be out of control where I, I feel like I can make a fool out of myself in public. And, and I listen, we all have um, probably more times than, than not earlier on and in, in, uh, when I was younger. But, I mean, to, at this point, man, I'm like, I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want something. The last thing I want someone to do is like actually like recognize me or something and be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Dustin Fox, that guy, what a lust that guy is.
0: So how do, like, you handle, yeah. how do you handle the drunken person that annoys you at a game?
1: Um, I just ignored it
0: because I reverse heckle. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I poked the bear.
1: Oh, yeah. you are the bear.
0: Yeah. Well, because if I stand up, what's he going to do? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, I always make sure it's not like Shaq behind me. I always make sure it's not like a guy that's, uh, but if it was, even if it's like a similar sized person, I'm like, I'm just going to make fun of you until you shut up. Uh, except if my kid's there, if my kid's there, cause you know. Uh, it's it's, oh. it's a tough you know call. What? Daddy punched somebody in the face, and now mommy's got to come pick you up. So why don't you just hang in the drunk tank with dad? That's a tough call. I, I got
1: I I gotta say this. You know, having my kid there might even make me maybe more aggressive than I probably would be normally. Because like, if you're gonna be aggressive around my kid and obnoxious, uh, I might just have to go full dad mode.
0: Ooh, that's a you know what? That's actually a really good point. I am. But then again, I'm, I'm less likely to drink if my kid's there just because I get all dad mode anyways. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand.